uh, scripture for our whole series. And uh, today we're going to talk about communication. Everybody say it with me. Communication. Yeah. We're going to talk about this particular subject biblically. And um, I have, I have in, on purpose designed the subtitles of each one of these to make you think a little bit. And today, I want to undress the danger of the four-letter word. Four-letter word that begins with F. We're going to address this thing today. Talk about it a little bit. Here's our staple scripture. And, a, and, and the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Everybody say, not ashamed. Not ashamed. Not ashamed. Now, I'm going to roll over to Ephesians. You can write it in your notes or if you're following along in the notes. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. And watch what Paul says when he writes his letter to the book, I mean to the church at Ephesus. Um, <clears throat> Rather speaking the truth in love. Everybody say in love. love. We are to grow up in every way. Everybody say grow up. Okay, let me just preference this by saying this. I've said it every year when we do a marriage sermon series. Marriage is for adults. If you're not an adult, you don't get to get married. And being an adult has nothing to do with whether you've progressed past a certain age or not. Because I know a lot of people who are of the age of adulthood who don't act like adults. Listen what he says here. He says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head unto Christ. We are to speak the truth in love and grow up. Hello, somebody. Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? All right. Someone asked me uh, last week. Pastor Don, why, why do you feel like it's necessary to do a marriage sermon series every year? Like, what are you going to continue to tell us that you haven't already said? Why do we have to continue? I mean, like, they, they were right. Hello, somebody. Why do you think it's important to do an annual marriage sermon series? And this is, this is what I say to them. Marriage is designed by God. And it's biblical design, it's godly design is the foundation of the family. Build strong marriages and you build strong families. Build strong families, you build strong communities. Build strong communities, you make a better world. That's why I do it. There's a sacred design by God of marriage to display his kingdom on earth. In God's mind, marriage is a representation of his kingdom on earth. It's amazing to me that the book, the Bible, begins with marriage. And it ends with a wedding reception. We had a wedding reception yesterday. 
People celebrating this marriage, this, this joining together. And people sat down and they ate. They ate a meal together with the new married couple. Hello, somebody. Y'all ever heard of the lamb supper? I don't have a trick Bible. It's all in there. So if the Bible begins with marriage, Genesis chapter 2, and it ends with a wedding reception, it, there's probably a good reason we should focus on it. We should think about it. I believe personally from my own experience, from my, my own uh, uh, understanding, that when marriages improve, nearly everything else in life improves as a result. But when marriages are hurting, society hurts. And the reason that our society is in the shape that it is today because we go into marriage with the idea that it's disposable. This is the world we live in. It really is. People spend more time, young people spend more time in class studying and preparing to get a driver's license than they do to get a wedding license. I know beyond a shadow of fact that every person who's been in my office to discuss the, their marriage. There's not a person who's come in there who doesn't want their marriage to be a source of strength and encouragement. Right. Or else they wouldn't be there. Right. But see, m- most people never experience marriage as a source of strength and encouragement. Because, see, there's a major, major foundational part of their relationship that's crumbling, and that's called communication. And 100% of married couples deal with it. My wife has literally looked at me before and said, you get up, you communicate, that's what you do. Why can't we, hello somebody. How does this happen? And I look at my wife and go, we're saying the same thing. No, we're not. Yes, we are. No, we're not. Yes, we, we're saying the same thing. And she's like, no, we're not. Yeah, we're saying the same. And look, then she looked, after a while of going back and forth, you know, kind of like the, the buzzards on the tree in the jungle book, you know, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Let's do something. Finally, after we're saying the same thing, no, we're not. Yes, we are. No, we're not. My wife looks at me and goes, fine. The four-letter F word. Fine. Now, y'all laughing because you know you've heard that or said it. Fine. There's a lot of marriages that are hurting because of a breakdown of communication. Somebody just say amen. It's a truth. It's, it's not a condemnation. It's a truth. And when we deal with truth, we can change. Husbands and wives deal with stress in their own way. 
Because we're just built different by God. And so therefore we deal with stress different. And as a result of the way we deal with stress, it, 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 the, the ending result of that is the way we communicate with each other. Like I speak with a blue megaphone and my wife hears with pink hearing aids. And here's the deal. When you can't communicate, instead of standing side by side with each other, what happens is is you drift apart. And you drift towards those areas where you feel like you can communicate. You drift towards those areas where you feel like you are being heard. You drift towards those areas where you feel like you can speak. Because see, here's the truth. Everybody wants to speak and be heard. And so when husbands and wives can't communicate, instead of standing side by side, a natural drifting. So the dudes hang out with the dudes because we get each other. My wife will say to me, hey, I saw you and Doug talking at church today. How's he? Good. That's it? Yeah. See, dudes just need the report. I'm like, hey, Doug, how you doing? Fine, good, yeah. And Doug says, how you doing? Good, great, I'll see you later. I mean, that's it. I see, I see my wife talking to Donna at church. And I say, hey, I saw you and Donna talking at church today. How she, oh, she, she got, she found a pair of boots that matched a purse she had. And then when she found those two things, it was amazing. She went over to the lipstick aisle. And all of a sudden there was the same shade of lipstick. And they, yeah, she just, I don't need, I don't need all that info. I don't. She's supposed to be teaching Sunday school or children's church. Here's my point. Every marriage, every marriage in this building, every marriage outside of this building that's listening right here, whether you got a good marriage or you're struggling, you're wrestling it through, you just need some mental, it doesn't matter. Every marriage is desperate to work, but you're just not sure how to support each other when you can't communicate. Come on, I know it's true. All, if I say all. All marriages need encouragement. All marriages need practical tools to help them communicate. But most don't know where to begin. And when my wife and I sit down and put these things together every year, we really just push them out of our own experience, our own own lifestyle, and the things that God did in our life to help us change. And communication was an issue. I'm she, I can't, uh, you know, any other series, she's not as vocal. Can I, can I tell you this? We're all born naked. We're all born exposed. We're all, when we are born, come from, uh, into this cold, cold environment. And we are all, when we're born, are born into something uncomfortable. That's why babies cry. When they're born. Come on. If we are born crying, exposed, cold, and uncomfortable, boy, sometimes that, that's exactly how we would describe our marriage. Especially in times of, of, of struggle. I like to call those, those times of struggle, I like to call those sandpaper seasons. 
where everything seems to rub you. Come on, somebody. Woo, Lord have mercy. Mm. When you're cold, all you want to do is be warm. Come on, somebody. When you feel alone, all you really want to be is embraced. When you feel misunderstood, you're lacking the intimacy of being known that you really want. And the trouble is, see, the world teaches us to be anti those things. And so we cover that up. We put the fig leaves on. And it's difficult to be known when you can't communicate. I said it's difficult to be known when you can't communicate. When you can't express what you're saying. And, and, and I've shared this before. I mean, you, can, you can say words, but it doesn't always express what you're saying. I mean, it's those closet conversations. You know, when my wife goes into her walk-in closet and she has enough clothes to supply the whole women's section at Goodwill. And she stands in front of all of those clothes and she says, I don't have anything to wear. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't have anything to wear? You got enough clothes to supply the whole used section at Goodwill. That's not a good thing to say, gentlemen. See, I stand in front of my little big closet and look at all my clothes and I say, I have nothing to wear. Now see, what my wife said was, nothing in here makes me feel special. We said the exact same words. She said, nothing here makes me feel special. I said, I don't have anything clean to wear. So if I'm listening to my wife, she says, nothing here makes me feel special. Instead of being a knucklehead and, and, and saying, talking about Goodwill, I could go over and pull out a blouse and say, I really love it when you wear this blouse. Boom. All of a sudden, she feels special. And gentlemen, I saved money. Yeah. <laughs> Communication will help you save money. You laughing and you know it's true. <laughs> we don't feel embraced when we can't be heard or when we're struggling to communicate. Every marriage is desperate to work. So when we get married, being vulnerable is something that is it's unusual because the world teaches us to, to cover up vulnerability. It teaches us to cover up, to stay hidden. It teaches us to hide those things that make us ashamed. But see, the Bible says that Adam and Eve were unashamed in their relationship. I want you to move past the fact that they didn't have any clothes on because that wasn't an issue. And let me tell you something, husband and wife. I'll never apologize for this. I'm going to put it up here and I'm going to say this to you every time I speak to you on this topic. Time is the currency of marriage. Time is the currency of relationship. The more time you spend together, 
the deeper the relationship. The less time you spend together, the more difficult it is to communicate. When I spend time with people, I learn how to communicate with them. That's the subject. Time is currency in relationship. Let me, let me ask you this. Have you, ever, have you ever had the, I'm not a mind reader conversation? Come on. I'm not a mind reader. You ever had it? One or two of you are brave enough to admit it, right? One or two of you are full of Holy Ghost in here. The rest of you, baptism's coming. You ever had that conversation? I'm not a mind reader. I'm just not a mind reader. I'm not a mind reader. Let me tell you something. It took me five years. Five. Everybody say five years. It took me five years to learn that if my wife wants me to do something, she says it in a question. I'm going to save you five years of marriage counseling. Today, this morning, in this place, communication. I walk into the, the house in the afternoons and I take the things that are in my pocket. And, and I take those things and I walk over to the counter and I put those things on the counter where I want them. The right there. With that, I'm preaching. You preach like next time. <laughs> I put them. I put them. Listen to this. I put them where I want them. And then my wife walks over and she looks at those things and she goes, do you want to put those somewhere else? (laughs) No. I put them where I want them. That's not what she see. She's saying what she wants me to do in a question. (laughs) It took me five years to learn this. No, I put them where I want them. Because tomorrow, when I get up and need them, I'm going to go back to where I put them because they're going to be there. Don't touch my stuff. Don't touch my stuff. I live in this house and I'm right there. My truck was parked out front the other day because I I was coming in the house. I was going to leave earlier. And and then, uh, I don't know, something happened. I didn't get to leave. And so my wife noticed my truck parked out in front of the uh, the house. And she, she comes to me and she goes, do you want to move your truck? No. <laughs> this is our life. Communication. Why, why don't you want to move your truck? Because I'm going to use it in a minute. And it's right where I left it. Hello, someone? Yeah. You have it, you have it. Come on. I'm, y'all, this is an audience participation church. It's okay. I was discipled Pentecostal. Y'all don't scare me. You ever this conversation? Right? Like, I'm not a mind reader. Just tell me what you want. Took me five, five, five years. See, ladies think that because we're their husbands, we know them. And that because we know them, we should know what they're thinking. Help me out, ladies. Help me out. No, 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 I'm not finished. Guys, we think you meant what you said. Ladies think we should know what you're thinking. No, 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 no. We just think you, you meant what you said. Communication. 
Communication is important and you know it. And if you have been there, you have discovered that this kind of thinking is an utter lack of communication and it does not work. Help me out. It doesn't work. And I bet it is a four-letter word that starts with F that clues you into the fact that communication isn't happening. I'm, I'm getting there, my brother. I'm getting there. I am getting there. Fine. Not that four-letter F word you were thinking about. But the one that's even more dangerous than that. Fine. Fine. F-I-N-E. Fine. If my wife says fine, she'd just as well be cursing. Let me tell you why. It's a dangerous word because it always ends conversations and it never begins them. It always ends conversations and it never begins them. Now, maybe you're not married. This will apply to any relationship. When you're struggling to communicate, this word will end discussion. See, for me, fine is guy code. My, I walk in from a long day. And my wife says, so, how you doing? Fine. How are things? Fine. See, that's guy code for I've had a long day, I'm out of words, and I just really don't want to talk. That's guy code. For Lisa, (laughs) fine is girl code for trying to mask how she really feels. How are you? Fine. In our marriage, we realized that when we said fine, we were really doing four things. We were really saying, I'm faking it. I'm ignoring it. I'm neglecting it. I'm evading it. Fine. F-I-N-E. Every marriage goes through these sandpaper seasons. Now, every marriage does it. I don't care how long you've been married. You'll find these seasons where you just rub against one another. And everything rubs you the wrong way. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you don't love each other. It doesn't mean that you don't want to be together. It doesn't mean that you're done with your marriage. And It's just a sandpaper season, right? And it's during these seasons that I've discovered as a marriage counselor that words are very important. Words are very, very important. And the fact is this, many of us stop effectively using our words when we get married. We actually say things in ways and with tones that we would never say to a perfect stranger. We actually speak to to our spouse in such ways that we would never speak to anyone else on the earth. With disrespect and dishonor and devalue. We do these things. We, We stop effectively using our words. Why? Because we assume that our spouse gets us. 
We don't honestly communicate anymore because we just assume they should understand. And the breakdown begins and eventually what we're doing is we're left with two people who are not communicating and thriving in life together. They're just kind of coexisting. And listen to me, married people. It is very important that you don't make assumptions. Not in your marriage. That's the one relation that's so important that you should be more cautious, right, and not make assumptions. And, and, and I know as difficult as it is, we should never be afraid to communicate with our spouse what we're feeling and what's going on in our life. We just have to learn how to do it in such a way that we're not blaming them as we express where we're at. When you can communicate that way, what happens is you're able to love and support each other in the ways that you really need. That's the power of naked communication. They were naked and unashamed. Raw, pure communication. Being able to share in these ways. And when a couple will change the way that they communicate, their relationship begins to go to a new level. Every, every couple I've worked with that sits down with us or Doug and Nancy or any of our elders, what our target is to learn to teach them to communicate different than they have before and then let that move them to the next level. Once we've done that, then we can start communicating about some of the tough stuff. Let's talk to one another. Let's get it out. Right? Few, a few marriage sermon series ago, I, I did a whole series on the six values of mine and my wife. These were the values of our marriage. We sat down the first five years of our marriage as we were rebuilding our marriage. And we came, Pastor Rick challenged us. You guys, you need to know what the values of your marriage are. And they're different for everybody. I shared our six. And inside of those six, honesty was at the top. Because my wife, I'm just going to tell you right now. Most of you know, you can't lie to her. She just reads your book. And, and she is not a good liar. She could not. She can't keep a secret to save. I'm just telling you. Honesty was at the top of our life. We put value on honesty. Because we understood and learned that love is built on trust and open communication. Okay, so there's a huge difference now. You listen to me very carefully, and this is why I put this up here. I want you to write it down, take a picture of it, burn it in your brain. There is a big difference between being honest and being rude. Hello, somebody. Honesty, being honest because you value it and you want it, doesn't mean you can be rude. There's a, there's a total difference between being disrespectful. And devaluing just because you say, well, I got to be honest. You got to understand the difference. We need a strategy to keep the emphasis on truth and put a filter on the process. We need a strategy to keep the emphasis on the truth, but put a filter on the process. My wife and I use this. Are you ready? You're not ready. You ready? You want to write this down in capital letters. T-K-N. It has to be true. It has to be kind. And it has to be necessary. My, my wife is, uh, she is just a, um, 
She's a black and white person. There's no gray areas in her life. It either is or it isn't. It's, it's this or it's that. It, I don't have time to beat around the bush. Just get to it. Those type of things, right? And so she values truth, right? And, and she's not scared of truth. And, and so there's that prophetic leaning in her life too that just wants to get to the point. And that can, that can cut. Hello, somebody. Sometimes I'll just look at her and go, Ow! And then she's like, well, you want, a you want me to dig it out with a spoon or cut it out with a scalpel? What would you? Okay. That's pastoral. She's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you pastoral. Anyway. TKN, truth, kindness, and necessary. So when I come to Lisa and I need to share something... I got to process the filter of that. What's my truth? How can I be kind? And is it really necessary? When she comes to me, she does the same thing because, see, Pastor Don is Tigger. And the, the sun is always shining in my world, right? Right? Like, I, I'm just happy go lucky, right? Let's go. It's, it's a great day, right? All these things, right? The wonderful thing about Tiggers is Tiggers are wonderful things. The tops are made out of rubber and the bottoms are made out of spring. They're bouncy, 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 fun, 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 fun. <laughs> the wonderful thing about tiggers is I'm the only one. Shut up, Doug. I'll tell the story about your tutu, all right? <laughs> My wife has to come to me. She needs to tell me, Don, that it's not, right now the sun isn't shining. As a matter of fact, there's a storm coming. And you need to get, right? Like, there's a truth there. But how does she reveal it in kindness that gets to my heart, right? That moves me into the necessary conversation to understand where she's at. It's a beautiful thing when you learn how to do TKN. And you can't do it like we do, right? My wife often will come to me and say, look, I need to share my heart with you. And I don't want you to say anything until I'm done. TKN. That lets me know, okay, my wife has really needs to share where she's at. And I need to focus. And I'm going to give you those three things in a minute when that happens. Because she's trying to communicate with me, even if she does it in the form of a question. Right? I'm not beating her up about that. What I'm saying is that's the way she communicates. If I want to communicate with her, I need to learn to speak her language. It's wrong for me to demand that the only way we'll communicate is if you speak my language. So I have to come to her and say, all right, do, do, do you want to move that? Don't learn not to touch yourself. <laughs> do, you, do you want to move that? And I have to say, yeah, uh, where would you like me to put it? Oh, it would be better if you put it over there. Boom, we communicated. TKN, truth, kindness, and necessary. See, let me, let me encourage you married people. Let me encourage you husband and wife. Let me encourage you right now. You can say something that is technically right. But if you say it without love and compassion, you're still the one who's wrong. And here's what Pastor Rick told me. I would be sitting in the backside of McDonald's in Chipley, Florida. 
complaining about my wife while she was working on shift in that McDonald's. And he would always say this to me, Don, if you, if you, you can have a truth but the way you deliver it, right? It's always going to determine the way she receives it. Right? You, can say, you can say anything that's technically right but wrong. And he would say to me, listen, when you, even if you deliver a truth wrong, you might be 90% right. You're still 100% responsible for the 10% that you're wrong. You need to go home and own your stuff and stop complaining about her. Ow. Truth changed the way we looked at things. Speaking the truth in love to our spouse doesn't mean we should never communicate painful truth. Because truth isn't always comfortable. Hello, somebody. But it is always necessary. TKN. Truth isn't always comfortable, but it is always necessary. And when truth isn't comfortable and we're trying to communicate, we need to remember TKN. We need to remember how to work this through. God created marriage to be a relationship of complete unity and transparency. Deception of any kind will always undermine the foundation of marriage. And the biggest... See, we always highlight deception as the big thing. Cheating or hiding or... Come on, someone. But really, deception begins lower than that. It begins in communication. And when couples can't communicate, they can't stand side by side, and they naturally drift away from each other to the areas where they feel like they can communicate. Do you get it? That's why, the, that's why Paul says to the Ephesians, speak the truth in love and grow up. And grow up. You, you're not allowed the three Ds. You cannot disrespect, dishonor, and devalue. If you do that, the fourth D is coming. Divorce. When I'm upset, Lisa's name is? Thank you. Anything else is devalue, disrespect, and dishonor. And that's immaturity. That's why Paul says, speak the truth in love. Grow up. Grow up. And the proof of your maturity is how you handle people you disagree with. Oh, ho, 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 ho. And no deeper, intense moment in your life of disagreement is, that can be than with the person you married. Hello, somebody. Right. Why is that relationship so intense? If you struggle with communication, watch this. Your marriage will never be stronger than your trust for each other. And if you struggle with communication, you actually struggle with trust. And that takes several weeks to work through in a marriage counseling setting, but it's a, it's a nugget that I want you to chew on. If you struggle with communication, there's actually a trust issue there. Right? And you need to begin to work on why don't I trust? Why can't I trust? What's going on inside of me? Am I letting something from my past transfer over to my spouse that they never actually participated in? But because I'm allowing that transfer to happen, I'm treating them as if. Yeah, 
trust. It's important. And when trust is broken, communication breaks down instantly because you don't know how to deal with it. If you struggle with communication, listen to me, church, you are not alone. Everybody say, I'm not alone. Come on, everybody say, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. We all do. We all do. I I started this message by telling you that my wife can literally look at me and say, you communicate every week, and I love to hear you do it. Why doesn't that happen in the kitchen here? And and I've got to stop and think, yeah, why? What's breaking down here? And I'll tell you what I think the three biggest areas uh, that, that affect us in these areas. The first one is distraction. Here's, here's three helpful hints. The first one is you've got to remove distractions. Listen, you cannot communicate when you've got wild Indians running around your feet. The worst time to try and communicate is when the kids are demon-possessed. <laughs> Cast the devil out of them and put them to bed. Then you can talk. Let me, let me tell you this. And I, I, I found it to be true over the, the last uh, over 20 years that we've been doing marriage counseling and things like that. Most couples communicate, are you ready? 16 minutes a day in a 24-hour period. The first four minutes when you wake up, the last four minutes before you leave the house in the morning, the first four minutes when you come back together after work, and the last four minutes before you fall asleep, however long that takes. 16 minutes. Now, I didn't believe that until we started putting it to the test. Not in your life or the couple's lives that we were dealing with, but in our own life. Remove distractions. You need to have an on-purpose time every day to communicate. And that's on you as a parent... That's on you as an employee. That's that's on you as a thing. Listen, the most valuable thing you have in your life is not the car that you work 60 hours a week to pay some ungodly monthly payment for. It's not the house payment. It's not all of these things. The most valuable possession you have is your spouse. Yet we spend more time doing everything else than we do talking to them. It's got to be on purpose, and we've got to change this. And if the church doesn't change it, who's going to? I said, if the church doesn't change it, who's going to be an example to the rest of the world? Listen, we, y'all can look all you want to right now in this world, but there ain't many. There ain't many examples out there that I even want to talk about. You, you talk more to coworkers you don't even like. Then you do your spouse. Think about this. Remove distractions. You've got to get rid of those things. The second one, give them your eyes. The Bible says the eyes are the window to the soul. You, you can, listen, I'll, I'll know, I'll know beyond a shadow. A person who won't make eye contact with me has something to hide. And as a spouse, if you're not making eye contact... Right? Like, give them your eyes. You know what I'm saying? Here's the deal. We live in a world where we can sit down to watch a movie together. Scroll social media at the same time. 
Or we can sit down and do anything together. Hello, somebody. And our eyes are here. Give them your eyes. Right? Some of the most in-depth conversations my wife and I ever had was well before there were cell phones and texting and all this social media uh, toilet stuff. Because I'm, I'm sorry, social media is the toilet, the sewer, the cesspool of life. Yet we all swim in it every day. I did. And we wonder why we stink. Hello, somebody. We would sit down and play a chess game. Connect and talk. It would take a couple hours to play a chess game with her and I, right? Like, but it wasn't about the chess game. It was about this. This talk, this, you know, right? And, and I remember we shared those illustrations with a young couple that we were working with one time and, and helped them learn to sit down and, and remove distractions and give themselves their eye. And it changed, it just, man, it was incredible. It changed their whole marriage in such a way that it was a beautiful miracle from God. At, at the end of our counseling, they went away for a week just to celebrate the renewed aspect of their marriage and those type of things. And when they came back, they, they, while they were away, they bought a chess set. And brought it back and gave it to us as a gift and said, thank you for the game of chess. Right? We still have that chess game. Our home displayed. It's a beautiful reminder of what happens, right? When we do something on purpose. Here's the third thing. Nothing replaces face-to-face conversation. I'm sorry, text messages don't do it. If as a husband and a wife, you spend more time talking to each other through text message, I'm going to challenge you. Right? You should never talk about difficult things, strategic things, deep things, unless you're doing it face to face. You can't get the embrace you can't get the feed the body language you can't get the feedback you can't get you can't get it through a text message you can't get it through an email it's face to face my wife and i will not talk about difficult things over a text message period hey when i get home let's talk about this and you know all day long you're thinking about it hello right But the priority is that face-to-face moment, right? Because, see, it's so easy to misunderstand, hello, somebody, a text message. Getting your marriage in shape isn't all that different from getting your body in shape. Here's what I've learned over the last couple of years trying to stay healthy and get in shape. Number one, it hurts. Because I neglected myself. And now I'm trying to deal with the neglect. It's difficult. It takes commitment and discipline. Because I didn't get out of shape overnight. And I ain't going to get back in shape overnight. Time is the currency of your marriage. Do, Do you understand that? Most people find themselves five, six, seven years... They started here and then they're out here. When the point is to get back on the same page, right? And so my wife and I will draw a diamond and we'll say, okay, here's where we're at. We're out here on these opposite ends. Now we're going to begin to travel back. It took you 10 years to get out here. How long will it take us to get back there? It might take 10 years. 
But here's the deal. Each year we're getting closer and closer. You see what I'm saying? And we're, we're climbing this ladder back to where we want to be. It doesn't have to take 10 years. God can do miracles with any heart that's submitted to him. I've seen it. Time is the currency of relationship. Now, I'm going to speak quickly to wives and quickly to men just to give you this so you can chew on it this week as you get ready to do your homework. Why do we assume that we can do marriage without good communication? Wife, when you communicate that you trust your husband's judgment, you put wind in his sails. My wife once came to me, and I, I've told this story before, and some of you are new and haven't heard it. I, I was going to make a decision about our daughter. Uh, um, uh, you know, it was a rough time between my daughter and I and, and, our, and our relationship, and, and um, it was difficult. It was just difficult because, uh, you know, Daddy had this protecting mode, and I just knew all those boys that were coming around, they didn't, they didn't love her like I did, and they didn't have her best interest in like I did, and I didn't like any of them. My wife, would, my wife would say, oh, it's cute. It's not cute. I want to kill him. <laughs> I mean, I want everybody to go to heaven. I just want him to go soon. I don't like him. You can ask her. I let the dog loose on one. I mean, I'm not lying. I kid you not. I got some stories. It's a wonder my daughter speaks to me today. I got some stories. I took a stick to I mean, yo, I'm not... My wife came to me one day and she says, look, I want you to always know that I want to honor God for putting you in my life as the head of our family. And I never want to dishonor that and I always want to be submissive to that. I'm very thankful for who you are in our family. That being said, I think you're about to make a huge mistake and I'm going to ask you to reconsider your decision. Whatever decision you make, I'm going to trust you in God. And she walked away. She didn't cut my knees out from under me. Hello, somebody. She actually called me up to leadership. She said, I, I, listen, rethink this thing, but I trust you in God. I might not agree with your final decision, but it's in that moment when I don't agree with you, I know I can agree, I can trust God. Come on, right? Like she put wind in my sails, which caused my heart to rethink my motivation, to rethink my aspect of the decision that I was going to make. Let me tell you something, ladies. Men are more insecure than we let on. But when your husband knows you believe in him, he's at his best. Come on, somebody. I, I, ladies, I need to help you. Build him up with your words, ladies. Build him up. Listen, he lives in his armor. He knows everywhere that it squeaks. He don't need you pointing it out and complaining that it's rusty and it squeaks. He needs you with a can of oil saying, I believe you're the hero God has given me. Go fight a battle for us for God. Come on. You don't have to point out the quirks in his armor. Build him up. Build him up in those things. Your trust communicates respect. And he needs respect from you more than he needs anything else. Y'all going to listen to me. You might not believe me, but I want you to chew on it. Your respect or the lack of, ladies, is an immense power to build him up or tear him down. Maybe your husband isn't acting very respectable right now. 
I get it. Hey, we're dudes. We, we a little thick. Sometimes we're bullheaded and we don't always hear right away. I, I get it, right? Like we make mistakes. But finding something in him to praise, finding something in him to respect will motivate him to earn and build your belief in him. I'm going to say this. I could be totally wrong. This is, uh, there's a little bit of the prophet in the prophecy. Okay? This is just where I stand. I believe that men would rather hear thank you than they would I love you. It's not that I don't want to feel loved. It's that I tend to feel loved when I know my wife appreciates me. Thank you. Is that all right, ladies? It's a little tough. You're a little quiet. Chew on it a minute while I go to the men. All right, dudes. Let's talk about this. The biggest way you and I as guys sabotage our friendship with our wife is through our tone. And all the ladies said? The tone of your words shape the tone of your friendship with your wife, gentlemen. You can say it. Amen or oh me. You can say ouch if you want to. You can do all that. It's okay. We got it. We got you. My encouragement is this. Be tender with her. Do you know that in the scripture the man is the only one that's commanded to love? Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. What does that mean? You got to give up everything you ever were, ever wanted to be, and ever would have for her. If you don't, you don't love her. Because that's what Christ did for the church. He left heaven. Come on church. For her. For his bride. If you don't, you don't love her. Be soft with her. And you can, even in moments of criticalness, even in moments of, of struggle, you can be tender. She wants to see your tough side. I mean, your soft side. She, she knows how you can bow up your chest. Any banny rooster can do that. He's going to walk around like he's something. Hello, somebody. Until something bigger takes a golf club to him. That's a different story altogether. I'll tell that one day. (laughs) I'm going to say this to us gentlemen. And again, I'm just going to speak from my point of view because it's my sermon. You can preach your own. But I believe that women feel safest when we speak to them softest. I believe our wives feel the safest with us when we speak to them tenderly. The tone of your words reflect the love you have for her. If you don't believe me, ask her. Just ask her. You start yelling. Hello, somebody. You raise your voice. She don't feel safe. She's going to instantly go defensive. I was so angry. I was an angry, angry, angry person when my wife and I got married. I was incredibly angry. I was an incredible angry person. 
And she can tell you. In an argument one time, I drove one of our cars right into the other one. Yeah, that's what she said. Why would you do that? I mean, I'll go through a wall. Right? Like, I was so angry. You can ask her. I was just... So, I was just an angry, angry person. The guy you know today is not the guy she married. Right? I was violent. And that's how I dealt with it. I was, I was a hurt young man. I, had been, I felt rejected by the world and thrown away. And, and it, there was just a lot of things in my own life that I was dealing with. And I was angry. And I would be hard with my words. Bold with my tone. Because that's the way anger comes out. And I remember asking God to take that away from me. Fasting and praying. God, I don't want to be an angry person. I need you to deal with this. And you know what? And, and I didn't only pray that God would get, take away the anger. I prayed that the Lord would give me the joy of the Lord. And he did. And there are times now when I feel the old man rising up. And I'm going to be honest with me. It scares me. I, I start, to, she, she can tell, I start to shake. And because I, I don't want to be that guy that rips the doors off the walls, that yells and screams, that, that runs through walls, that, that you know, m- my wife, I, I just confession, I was, listen, God's working on us all. I was so mad at my wife one day that I went outside and shot two of our dogs. I'm just confessing. I want you to tell you what anger does, right? I told that someone dumped those things off, and I told my wife not to feed them. When I went to work, guess what happened? She fed them. They hang around. They were tearing out trash. Every day I'd have to come home and pick up trash. And then we had an argument one day, and we came home, and, and trash was all in the yard. And this time it wasn't, not only was it not, uh, was it trash in the yard, but it wasn't even my trash. They had went to the neighbor's yard, drug the neighbor's trash into my yard. Now i got to pick up the neighbor's trash. And her and I had just had this knockout drag out fight. I walked right out of the car, walked right into the house and grabbed my rifle and I come right in the yard and I shot those two dogs. I'm confessing. Somebody's going to be mad at me about this sermon. But you need to hear my heart. I walked back inside the house. I put my rifle in the case and my wife looked at me and she said, would you like some sweet tea? I said, that'd be nice. And I sat there in the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I grew up on a farm. So animals have their purpose. And there's a time for animals. I, I'm, anyway. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you didn't deal with those two animals because it was time to deal with those two animals. You dealt with them because you had murder in your heart towards your wife. And I broke I broke, and I began to weep and cry. And my wife came to me with a glass of tea, and I'm, I'm just squalling like a little baby, and I look up at her, and I said, will you forgive me? She, was, she, was, she had no idea what the Holy Ghost was doing in my heart at that moment. She was just like, um, um, sure. And I'm like, no, I, I don't want to have murder in my heart towards you. And that's what my anger's doing. And in that moment, I prayed. I said, God, I just got to go. You got to deal with it. And I began to fast and pray about my anger, not her issues. 
And I said, God, I'm an angry person and I don't want to be that guy. And God broke that in my life, church. Come on, he broke that in my life, right? In that moment, he began to break and I said, fill me with your joy, Lord. Let me be filled with the joy of the Lord. And God did that and he changed my whole life. And I learned, I learned that the softest place I should speak in the world is to her. God just covered that. Gentlemen, let me speak to you about your anger. The anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. And gentlemen, if you are angry and you are speaking to your wife that way, careful. 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 Pastor Don's confess some things to you, not because I want to make some story seem whatever. It's the truth. Ask her. From that moment, I looked at her and said, will you help me? Speak softly. I don't know how to do that. I've never done that. If you don't believe that your tone reflects your love for her, ask her. I think it will spark a great conversation. And you'll learn more about each other in the process than you ever knew before. Because see, the strongest marriages are between two best friends who can talk about and share everything. It's so powerful. Most frustrations in marriage come either directly or indirectly from a breakdown in communication. Say amen. Come on. Men and women both contribute to the communication breakdown in different ways. Everybody say amen. For men, the contribution happens through a lack. Fine. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. No, are you okay? I'm fine. I don't want to talk. I've used all my words. Right? Come on, I mean, like, the thing is, like, dudes have, like, 15,000 words a day they can spend. Yep. Women have, like, 30,000 words a day they can spend. Yep. For women, the breakdown happens through frustration. And it turns to a lack of respect. Fine. Come on, somebody. It's a four-letter word. And it's as dangerous as it can be. Hello, church. It's as dangerous as it can be. And we have to deal with that attitude. See, the word reflects an attitude. Come on, somebody. We have to deal with that. And when we undress that, we can learn to be unashamed. There isn't anything that happens that I don't believe I can come and talk to her about. You know why? I'm not worried about whether she's going to like it or not because I know no matter what it's going to be about, it's going to be a safe place. We can talk about it. We can even disagree about it. We're not going to leave. We're not going to fuss. We're not going to do those things. We're just we're going to take a moment and, and try to understand what's being expressed. Do, do you want to move that? No. Why? Because that's where I put it. And then she's like, I, I've been here all day. I've been trying to keep the house nice and clean. When you come home, I want you to come home to a nice, orderly, clean house. 
And when you come home, the first thing you do is mess it up. Don't do that. And so I say, okay, where would it bless you for me to put it? <laughs> Anywhere but there. Okay, I'll put it over here. No, don't put it there. Where do you want to eat? Oh, I don't care. Okay, let's go to Taco Bell. I don't want to eat at Taco Bell. I thought you didn't care. <laughs> Most frustration happens in marriage, either directly or indirectly, from a, la- a breakdown of communication. Make communication a priority. Take small steps and enjoy the victories. And build on those, right? Take small steps. Enjoy the victories. Don't be frustrated when you make, when you don't do it right or when you get it wrong or it doesn't work out perfectly. Build on the victories you had. Hey, we've learned to talk about this. We've learned to talk about that. We've learned to embrace each other here. We can be unashamed in this moment in our conversation. We have grown up some. Speak the truth in love and grow up. Then we experienced unashamed in our conversation. It will change the atmosphere of your marriage. Pastor Don guarantees it. I guarantee it. But here's the deal. We'll have the worship team come up. You got to do your homework. Now, I appreciate the emails and the text messages I'm getting from those who are doing it. Hello, somebody. But I'm going to ask you a question if you show up in my office here in the next few months. Wanting to deal with your marriage. Did you do my homework? No, we didn't do that. Hello, somebody. Marriage is work. Hello, somebody. Good work. I said marriage is work, but it's good work. And it's worth it in the end. The payback is beyond your your imagination. It'll blow your mind. So you're saying, hey, Pastor Don, where's this homework? It's on the app, okay? With the notes that you're reading right along with. If you don't got the app, show me, tell me. I can help you get it if you don't got it. That's Southernese. You'll get it. <laughs> it's a double negative, isn't it? And I, don't, I can't get it anyway. If that doesn't work for you, just let me know. I'll print it off for you. I'll email it to you. But you need to personally do the homework and then sit down with each other and walk it through, talk about it. Take time, even if it's just five minutes, to look your spouse in the eye and ask him these questions. How are you doing? How was your day? Is there anything you're worried about right now? What are you excited about? And listen to what they say. It'll change your life. It will change your life. And remember, it's a journey. Hello, somebody. It's a journey. Will you stand with me? Father, Thank you for the goodness of your hand. Thank you for the blessing of marriage. Thank you in this moment for the gift that is marriage. Lord, you begin the book with it. You end the book with it. 
help us to make it that kind of priority. So oftentimes, God, we focus on uh, the Bible and everything that's in between those two moments. Lord, you did your very first miracle at a wedding. The power of the New Testament begins with the miracle of the wedding. There's emphasis, Lord. Help us to embrace it. Let us confess where we're not perfect and trust and lean on you to change our hearts and lives. Help us to be brave, to just look at one another and say, I haven't done it right, but I want to. I don't know how, but if you'll take the journey with me, we'll do it together. For every marriage in this place, God, my prayer is that communication would grow. And that, God, we would learn to value, to honor, and respect the most valuable person in our life, and that's our spouse. Help us to embrace each other. Help us to do away with blame. And be that person that says, look, if change is going to happen, it's going to start with me. I'll go first. I'll go first. Uh, This waiting around for uh, them to change isn't happening. If they change, I'll change. No, Lord, I'm going to go first. I'm going to go first. I'm going to repent. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. And trust your spirit to do what only you can do. Jesus, will you touch us? And will you touch our marriages? Lord bless you. Come on, sing it. And keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you. And give you peace. Sing it again. Come on, this was Moses' prayer. Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give me. This was Moses' prayer. This was his prayer over God's people. He prayed this prayer because he wanted God to be with God's people. He knew his time was coming. And he wanted the blessing of the Lord on God's people. I don't know if you realize that. This was his heart's desire for those he was in relationship with. Come on, let's let's sing this as a prayer. Yes. Yeah. 
Think about that. Come on. Generations and your family and your children and the children and the children. May this paper be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children. so grateful, God, for your hand. Lord, this word today, let it spur revival in our marriages, God. Now, we don't need revival in the church and, and, and in the world for the kingdom to be expressed, but God, we need revival in our marriages, God. Would you stir your spirit inside of the life of the heart of husband and wives? God, when we build strong marriages, we build strong families. We build strong families, God. We build strong communities. And then we can be the people of God in the community to impact the community. So I charge God and we, we take it as an assignment. I pray over each and every husband and wife, God, that as they press in this week through the homework, God, you'll do a miracle. And that God, you'll push us into greatness. Lord, we want to give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Now, everybody say, brace yourself. Next week, I'm just going to preference this. We're going to talk about forgiveness. So it's going to be good. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Turn around and tell someone you love them. We'll see you next week.